Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of the Catholic Connect Podcast. So glad that you joined us here on another fantastic day that the Lord has made. Welcome to all our listeners from across Canada, the United States, or wherever you listen to this podcast in our fine universal church. Well, let's start with a quote at the suggestion of our guest today. And here's how it goes. Quote, the only real sadness, the only real failure, the only great tragedy in life is not to become a saint. End quote from the French Catholic novelist Léon Blanc. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Being a Canadian and a hockey fan, I think I'm pretty good at uh, pronouncing French names. At least I take an attempt at it anyways. But this is a great quote and a timely quote, really a call to magnanimity. And it really would be a shame. It is a shame that so many of us fall short of becoming a saint. And we need to be a saint in order to get to heaven. Yes, we hear about the saints. I call them the superstars of our church with a capital S. And we hear about their stories. We know they're in heaven. But in order to get to heaven, you at least got to be a saint with a small S. And without that, nobody gets there. And the only way that we can be a saint and get to heaven is by living a sacramental life close to Jesus Christ, free of mortal sin and going to the Eucharist often, receiving communion worthily and going to confession often. And I'm telling you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to radically change your life when you start doing this. And today is a great day to start living a life of virtue instead of vice and being that beacon of light and of hope to this fallen world, this post-Christian world. Um, it can be a little bit daunting at times, I know, but we're going to do this together as a family in Christ. And let's pray that we can open our eyes to the reality of this world. And that, uh, as Bishop Fulton Sheen said, says in the scriptures, there are two kingdoms, the kingdom of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, which you cannot be um, on the fence anymore. You got to pick one or the other. So let's live it every day. And when we go and accompany people, let's always meet them where they're at, but let's never leave them where they're at in their sin. We are far better than that. And let's look no further than the good example of all of our saints. Well, in this episode of the podcast, I was so thrilled and blessed to catch up to John Kershane from Face to Face Ministries. Talk about a young man that's really trying to live a life of magnanimity, trying to make a difference in this world, particularly for young people facilitating retreats through this face-to-face ministries that you can find a ton of great resources and information on their website. And uh, it's not just John. He's got a whole team of people that work with him at face-to-face ministries today. The ministry itself has been around for a long time. And if you're from the United States or even some other countries in the world, you might be familiar with NET ministries, N-E-T ministries, uh, face-to-face ministries, very similar program to net ministries but uh, really focused here in western canada but of course the aim and the goal is the same the mission is to save souls particularly um, really encouraging young people to live a life of virtue a sacramental life so that uh, they can get to heaven and that's what we're here for we're here to evangelize here in the catholic church let's never forget our mission so real thrilled to have john out again another saskatchewan guy what can we say about saskatchewan some good stuff happening over there. So without further ado, here is John Kershane from Face to Face Ministries. And we'll see you on the other side of the interview, my friends. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Well, we're very blessed to have the following guest to join us. He earned his bachelor degree in social work from the University of Regina and a certificate in Catholic studies from the Newman Theological College here in Edmonton. And has been working with Face to Face Ministries since 2011 and is now the executive director and facilitates 
weekend retreats and conferences across Western Canada. Most importantly, he's a family man. He's a husband and father and uh, our brother in Christ. Mr. John Kershane, welcome to the Catholic Connect podcast. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. So good, man. You know, it's another Saskatchewan guy here doing great work in the church, so it's really exciting. I don't know what it is with Saskatchewan guys and girls, but uh, it's, uh, it's a special group out there in the prairies, and uh, we appreciate being neighbors with you here in Alberta. So Yeah, uh, the Lord loves us out here. I think so. I think so. It's true. And uh, we all know he's a big Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan too, so Amen. that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> <laughs> when were the seeds of faith planted in John Kershane's life? Let's start there. Oh, from a, from a young age, I'm very, very fortunate to have grown up in a family where my parents both practiced the faith and were great role models to me. I remember coming home from school and seeing my, my mom in the prayer chair uh, and having this daily prayer life. And my dad, too, witnessing his faith out in the community and the hockey rink, uh, just not being afraid to, to share who he was and, and what our faith was. So I, I saw that um, and lived in, in that environment growing up. Uh, we didn't have a, a Catholic youth group, but I, there was a, a Protestant, a Mennonite one that I had the privilege of going to, never questioned my Catholic faith, but certainly felt that that support of, of a youth minister and that supplemental side of that aspect of my faith too. And how important is it to have a mom and dad that uh, love the Lord, love their faith, and, uh, and and share that with their children? That's a, That sounds like it was a big part of your life at an early age, John. Yeah, absolutely. I remember uh, being in elementary school and having conversations with my friends and them not having that and me being surprised almost of like, what, doesn't everyone love the Lord? Doesn't everyone have this upbringing? And realize that unfortunately, it's not the case. Yeah, it's so true. And how about your siblings? Did you have some uh, brothers and sisters as well, John? Yeah, I'm fourth of five uh, children. And all of us uh, grew up in the faith. Some of us have kind of fallen away to some degree. And then over the years, praise be to God, have found their way back. Oh, that's good uh, so news. my my older brother is uh, involved in ministry himself, and my my sisters are all married, uh, raising good Catholic families. So we're very blessed. Yeah, it's so exciting, and I know it's uh, it could be real heartbreaking for people when their families uh, fall away from the church, and uh, uh, we still need to make sure we're praying for our brothers and sisters, uh, our siblings, uh, that they come back to the to the church and the faith. So that's that's so important. Important to live in community too, and and John, a lot of what you do is. Uh, with ministry and with face-to-face, I know that uh, you have a team of people. So there's a, and it's not like a, a regular secular job where you're uh, checking in and checking out at the end of the day. I mean, uh, when you work in ministry, it, it is, it's, it's like a community too. There's ups and downs, right? So how do you kind of, um, I don't know if it's uh, relate back to when you were a child and when you had siblings and living in a community with the, with a big family, the, the domestic church, like, uh, we like to refer to it uh, in the Catholic circles, but uh, yeah, how do you, is there some parallels there between uh, family life when you were uh, growing up and also living uh, a community here with uh, with ministry? I, I certainly see, at least now, the the benefits of that family, uh, and maybe I didn't appreciate it as a child. Just like my own children now don't always appreciate that. Uh, family dynamic always, but that, that you have someone there is so important. And that's what we find in ministry, uh, that when we, you have someone to, to back you up, to pray for you, uh, to bounce ideas off of, we, we, we really try and balance. We want to be efficient as a ministry, but more importantly, we want to be effective as a ministry. And so sometimes we need to be together in community to maybe it's not quite as efficient, but it's always more effective when we can 
be together and, and share ideas and have that come to fruition that way. And it makes a big difference when you have some other people coming with you. You think of even when uh, Jesus sent forth the disciples after he uh, uh, ascended into heaven, it was a two by two, right? Just as, yeah. uh, and they'd always get together and, and in community and, and uh, certainly learn from each other, pray for each other, then go forth again, right? So, so you go to university, you went to the University of Regina. Uh, how is the, the faith like there? We know that college and university can be a real scary place for, for folks of faith, especially for Catholics. It, you know, you grow up in a, in a great environment at home, have a loving family, but then you, you get out into the world and it can be a real shock to, to young people, can it? Yeah, uh, I'm fortunate that I, I took a few years before I went back to university. So from high school, I went to Manitoba to the Catholic School of Evangelization for a year and just kind of solidified my own faith and then volunteered for a year doing youth ministry and actually was hired from there as a parish youth minister for a couple of years. So it was that underneath my belt that I, I felt the call back more to a retreat style of ministry more than a, a parish style that I had been doing the past two years. And uh, things kind of were I, I had an opportunity that kind of fell through and I ended up saying, Lord, what what is next? Still felt that call to ministry and felt like he was saying, well, prepare yourself in whatever way you can and thought that social work would be a good avenue. So so I was four years out of school, if, how, out of high school before going to university and was pretty grounded. And fortunately uh, in Saskatoon, where I took my first two years, uh, I was able to get involved right away with CCO, Catholic Christian Outreach. Mm. And so that, that was really great. I've, I've always had that fellowship around me, had a lot of, of great friends within the city and started volunteering with Face to Face at that point. So I would be gone on weekends leading retreats. Uh, and sometimes my, my other friends would ask me like, how do you do that? How do you go to the university and then, and then spend your whole weekend doing ministry? Like, isn't that exhausting? And I would flip it around and say, no, no, school's exhausting. When I get to go out on the road, that's what gives me life. And then I have to suffer through a week of school <laughs> so that I can go back on the road again. Uh, so fortunately for me, uh, I didn't, I didn't feel the same pressures maybe some other people would. Yeah, that's great. And it can be a, a real grind when you're at school. You know, there's something to be said too, John, I know that there's, there's a lot of pressure on young people, especially in high school to go to university or college immediately after they're done their high school diploma. And, uh, I also took a couple of years. I was on a, an ministry team that, uh, you're probably at least heard of or familiar with and behold the lamb out of Radway. And uh, it was a fantastic year. Uh, and also took a, another year off before I went back to school. But uh, I found it made actually a, a pretty big difference going to school when you're 20 versus when you're 17 or 18. Um, those uh, couple of years of extra formation and just, um, uh, yeah, just checking things out in life, doing some different things. I think that's that's quite valuable. And I, I know looking back at my 17, 18-year-old self, man, was I ever immature. <laughs> and I'm sure if you ask my <laughs> wife and some other people, they'd probably say not much has changed. But uh, well, or at least I have the realization now, John. <laughs> But that's great. Uh, so what got you, I guess, involved with face-to-face ministry specifically was um, you said you're, you started as a volunteer there. So yeah, who got you started with uh, with face-to-face? Yeah, the very first time I heard of face-to-face was in high school. My my parents mentioned there was a retreat uh, maybe an hour away from our hometown, and I kind of laughed it off, actually. Didn't think much of it. Uh, I was, again, never questioned my faith, but just at that point was like, ah, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh but when I was hired as a youth minister um, in the Diocese of Prince Albert, the parish I was hired in had already booked a face-to-face weekend retreat in their parish prior to my arrival. So I had started working in August and that September, October, there was, was a face-to-face youth retreat. So 
I was like, well, I guess we're doing this. And uh, as soon as it started, I could see right away the the legitimacy and, and the, the power behind this retreat. It really kickstarted our youth groups. Our youth had a great experience. And we're, encounter, we're encountering the Lord in, in different ways. And uh, so I had a very positive experience as a youth minister. And then when they started their first uh, Ignite camp in 2007, was when my job uh, was just kind of finishing up. I had that summer free. I said yes to volunteering at that particular event and just hit it off with, with the founder, Ken Yazinski. Mm-hmm. And so he invited me, hey, you're going to be in Saskatoon in the fall. Why don't you start volunteering? And from there, it was kind of one thing led to another. I volunteered through my four years, but also in those four years, they started offering me, hey, why don't you lead this other event? Why don't you do this and do that? Uh, to the point where when I, I convocated uh, in 2011, I essentially had a full-time job um, that I partly created with, with some some help of, of my a retreat partner. The two of us got, started cold calling some schools, um, as well as, as some office hours and leading other events. So I was very privileged to start working right out of university full-time with face-to-face. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. So when you were going to university, did you, did you kind of think, man, is there – I was passionate about doing Catholic uh, ministry work, particularly with youth, but did you envision actually – doing it full-time and for a living? I I certainly desired that, um, having done it as a youth minister before, but wasn't sure how or, or if it would, the opportunity would present itself again. Uh, so I was very, very thankful when it, it came to fruition with face-to-face. So here's a, a jarring stat, got it right off the face-to-face website, and uh, we've heard statistics like this before, and it says only 14% of Catholics say that their faith is the most important part of their life. That is quite jarring and a little scary, isn't it, John? And so, what do you do? What do you say to that? How how can we, um, how can we as uh, as a church really reach out not only to young people but the the entire community? This church that uh, that seems to have kind of maybe lost their way a little bit. Yeah, well, that stat is probably close to ten years old already mm. uh, from a study called Hemorrhaging Faith, mm. and uh, so that could even look worse than uh, than. What that You're particular probably right, says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but in terms of what do we do about it now, we we start to proclaim the gospel uh, more and more. We're we're back almost to square one, where um, just like when Jesus empowered his apostles, uh, it was a very secular world that they were walking into, and more and more today we're coming back to that that situation where we are entering a secular world where people actually don't know who Jesus is and need to be not just re-evangelize, but evangelize for the first time many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, in, in Canada, we've, we've got, uh, there's, there's some, some dark parts of the church's history in Canada, but also a lot of great stories too. And we've had, uh, you know, a lot of folks, a lot of priests, a lot of religious have come from Europe, uh, the, uh, the very birth of the country of Canada, and have evangelized and brought the faith to us here. And it wasn't mm-hmm. that long ago, John, where we were sending priests and religious to other countries. And uh, I think I mentioned it on a previous podcast here that uh, my wife's uncle was a Catholic priest and he spent time in South America and they sent him there just to, it was an evangelization effort, right? Back in the, mm. uh, probably, you know, 40, 50 years ago. And that's where we were at at one time in Canada. And it wasn't very long ago, only maybe a generation or two ago. So, yeah. Um, but it is, a, it is jarring and, and concerning when you do go to different, schools and, and maybe different church events, youth events. What are you seeing from young people? What are what are some big challenges that you're seeing and, and what areas can the church provide some more spiritual support for them? That's a great question. Uh, something we are seeing is 
is people seeking truth hmm. is that youth today desire to know the truth uh, to to run a youth group or some type of, of event where you're skirting that where you're not actually addressing what is the truth i think people are going to see right away especially youth if, if you're phony if you don't believe in the truth if you don't believe in, in what you're preaching and uh, so we need to be living it and then of course we need to be preaching it as truth this is it is what it is the lord is real he's not just a lofty idea um he's a real person who wants to have a relationship with us who wants to be in communion with us and we we need to tell you that and we need to explain how the church and the sacraments are part of that that intimate that beautiful relationship i think that um there was a, st- a study or a statistic that i'd seen recently and i think i've i've seen it from a few other sources as well that even the catholics that attend mass on a on a weekly basis that only 30 percent of them believe in the presence of the of the eucharist the real presence so you you don't think there's a lot of adults in there as well um and that's going to trickle down to children and, and how they look at the sacraments especially the source and the summit of the catholic life which is the holy eucharist right john so mm-hmm. um is that a kind of the place to start is to to reignite to hopefully to use one of uh, one of face to face ministries uh, names of their conferences, but to to reignite that love for the sacraments and an understanding of, of what it is and, and how it can benefit someone on a personal level and, and for their souls. Yeah, one of our fundamentals for success as a ministry is that we need to utilize God's grace in the sacraments, particularly in the Eucharist. Uh, a lot of our events are very Eucharistic focused. Uh, you mentioned our Ignite camp that we do throughout the summer. We have daily mass and adoration every night uh, to put people in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament as much as possible. Uh, we, we do our best to kind of prime the pump or prepare the way, but then ultimately we get to step back and just let the Lord work. Mm. And it's beautiful to hear the stories, to hear the the, the conversions that come out of those silences in adoration or through maybe it's, it's through a, a prayerful worship song in, in adoration that just something connects that with that they're what they, what they hear all week in their mind of God's love somehow makes its way to their heart. And when they finally understand that they are loved for who they are um, so often that happens in, in the presence of the blessed sacrament where they can just be loved by the one who is pure love. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's huge. That's you know, we utilize those types of graces that the sacraments are are there for us, that the Lord is there for us in the in those sacraments. And we know the Lord has such a uh, profound and beautiful love for children. He mentions several times in the gospel how much he loves kids and and woe to them that uh, put a stumbling block in front of children and uh, in their spiritual development. And that's uh, that's scary. And that's something that I think as parents and, you know, I would even say as godparents, too, we really need to take that seriously. And, um, you know, the uh, being a godparent and I know I've, I'm a godparent of four. And uh, it's so important that we pray for them and, and continue to uh, mm-hmm. ask for the intercession of the saints and of our, our blessed mother for them as well. It's a, it's not something you just go show up and, you know, yeah. uh, take, take in the baptism and eat the cake after and then never talk to these folks again. This is a, this is a special uh, role that uh, you get to play in the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what my do- my godchildren are finally old enough to go to this Ignite Summer Camp. So it's grade oh, 9 nice. to 12. Uh, for the first time this summer and i'm really excited and also kind of anxious for them of like i want them to have this this beautiful profound experience with the lord uh at this camp fortunately they are practicing their faith but it can always go deeper it can always 
become more important in their life as they strive to become saints. Oh, for sure. Those is so much room for, especially when you look at a stat like 14%, you said it's probably in the single digits now of what uh, it means to be the most important thing in their life is their relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. What about confession, John? What are you seeing on, on that side? I mean, um, I, I always say for kids, it's so important that parents, you, you just take them to confession. You just can't, uh, especially if you're only going once a year yourself, which you shouldn't, you should be going at least once a month. Uh, or anytime you're in a state of mortal sin, like I like to say on this podcast, but uh, so important we bring our kids to that it can, it becomes that sacrament of healing as well, that spiritual healing. It really becomes like a habit, right, John? It's something that they uh-huh. do all the time, and they and it and it's. Um, I don't want to say the word comfortable because I know probably for you as well. When you go to confession, you're not feeling super great about it. I mean, I think some people think that you gotta have the warm and fuzzies when you when you show up. And even when you get out of there, maybe not necessarily the warm and fuzzies, but you feel that great sense of, of relief and forgiveness. And that's beautiful in itself, uh, so consoling. But, uh, uh, yeah, what would you say to, to parents and to children about going to confession on a frequent basis and making that a big part of their lives? Yeah, I've, I've heard someone say once, um, as often as you wash your car, you should wash your soul. Uh, so every single time your car needs a wash, you should consider the state of your soul. Do you need to go to the sacrament of reconciliation? If you're washing your car, you need to wash yourself. Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate that I get to go once a month uh, with my spiritual director. Uh, so I spend an hour in spiritual direction, and then I go to reconciliation with that. But my wife is very good to make sure that our boys go whenever she goes, which is probably around once a month as well, mm-hmm. uh, just ensuring. Well, we only have one, actually, that... Um, one of our boys is old enough to have received the sacrament of reconciliation of first communion. Uh, so he, I guess, is the only one at this point going with her. But absolutely, we need to have our kids to go. Uh, the The difference that it makes in in their lives is huge. I, I see it in terms of his behavior around the house even. After he's gone to reconciliation, there's a newness, a lightness about him, and an innocence that slowly gets lost as sin builds up on his soul and we see that within our events as well in fact we often have priests after celebrating the sacrament of reconciliation that will tell us like wow there was something special there like mm-hmm. the, the the way that whether we we prepared the youth maybe or just again god's god's grace um but when youth come to reconciliation at our events um it's just whether their soul is, is more prepared or uh, just they're more open and honest around it um God does great things in the sacrament of reconciliation at at, a, at the events that we are able to uh, to have that sacrament at. You know, the world always tries to ape the Catholic Church in so many things, and I always say confession is one of them. I mean, uh, you know, when you sometimes when you mention it to maybe a non-Catholic friend, or and they're like, "Ah, oh, it seems so bizarre to go and confess your sins to to a priest or you know to 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 a man." But uh, you know, you look throughout TV shows. You know, think of back to uh, I'm not saying Oprah Winfrey was the was the first to ever do it. I, it wasn't like that at all. But she has, I mean, there's some certain guests that came on and they kind of just spilled their guts out there. And of course we see kind of the, I would call them more raunchy kind of daytime talk shows that have this happen all the time and there's fights and it's just, it's really, a, it's really quite ugly actually. But it, it does go to show that there is a need for people to to let that dirty laundry out, that uh, that sin out. Uh, obviously, those are not the avenues to be uh, to be presenting your sins uh, on uh, on TV and on a global scale. But uh, uh, it, it, when you see stuff like that and people, you know, laugh or do whatever they need to do, I mean, it's it's kind of a mockery of of people and the dignity of a human person. But 
you know, whereas going to confession, it really restores your dignity, doesn't it, John? Mm-hmm. For children, for adults, it restores your dignity as a person in Christ. Absolutely. And it is that natural desire you were saying. People want to get it out one way or the other, whether it's at a talk show or in the privacy of reconciliation. People want to get that off their chest. Uh, so the Lord knew that. And like the sacraments are, are so so beautifully set up that they there is it's you know the outward reality of the or sorry the, the outward sign of the inward reality that's what every sacrament is and so we had that outward part of it that physical part but it's the it's the, what's happening spiritually on the inside that is so key and that we, we get to experience both which is awesome we 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 can hear with our own ears the lord through the priest mm-hmm. absolving us of our sins we don't have to wonder are our sins forgiven we yes. know it we, we've yes. heard it with our own ears yeah, that's for sure. That's that's uh, yeah, it's very profound, very powerful. So, uh, when it comes to confirmation, that's where I'd first seen you, John, personally, and I really appreciate you coming out. You, this is something that you were doing yourself. You came out to a couple of retreats for my oldest son, and uh, just recently for my my daughter Victoria, and she quite uh, enjoyed the uh, confirmation retreat, and she is now uh, confirmed. She's uh, received oh, that sacrament. Awesome. So that happened just about a month ago as we record this, and uh, so confirmation how important is that for children and uh you know we see this world of vice but uh receiving the the fruits of the spirit and uh really i think it's the key to unlock the virtues isn't it john for for uh these young people so yeah how important is is confirmation and once they they go to the retreat by face-to-face ministries they get confirmed what are some things that us as parents and godparents and, and people in the community, how we can continue to, to foster those virtues in the lives of these young people? Mm-hmm. Well, confirmation is there to to build us up, but also to empower us to build the church up. Mm-hmm. Um, so the seven gifts the church talks about in confirmation are typically inward gifts. They're there for our personal holiness. But then you mentioned you receive the Holy Spirit, you get the fruits of the Holy Spirit, and, and we should start to live a life of of, of outward we, we should be looking beyond ourselves as, as we're confirmed we're empowered to go forward just like at pentecost when the apostles received the holy spirit to go forward so at our confirmation hopefully as whether at grade six or a grade nine whatever grade you are being confirmed in uh that you are are being you you have the opportunity to start living out your faith in an even greater way and hopefully a parish can can find that that opportunity for you whether that's in a youth group or whether that's just having mentors from the parish, because uh, youth need mentors. That's the reality. Is that our, as, as you mentioned, that the domestic church, our, our home, our parents are to be the first place of evangelization, but our parishes need to support that. And we need outside sources as well, whether it's a, an organization like Face-to-Face Ministries, or even someone from the actual parish who's just willing to, to invest, who's willing to take the time to, to talk and, and to ask questions and to encourage that that recent confirmants uh, their faith to to build it up um, to call them out hey let's start using these gifts what are your gifts and let's start using them if that's music ministry if that's whatever the case might be just to use it mm. you know discovering your gifts that's so important I I, I can't uh, yeah I can't stress that enough because we all have gifts actually God's given all, probably all of us many many gifts. That it's the grace to recognize them, right, John? To to recognize uh-huh. what God has for us, and uh, we live in this world, especially for kids that are that are um, the taught that uh, you know, well, hey, you don't belong to Christ. You belong to the world. You don't have that many gifts. You can 
kind of live your life the way you want to and uh, without any responsibility or repercussions. But um, yeah, how important is it for us to not just young people, but even for adults that are um, trying to discern what, what is their purpose in life? We see so many you know sad stories, of, you know, especially the last couple of years, John, where depressions are up, suicide is up, people feeling worthless, that they're not they're not worth anything in the, in the eyes of this world. Whereas, uh, you know, in God and in our being a new creation in Christ, you are worth so much, right? And uh, how important is it for us to, to discern and then specifically to go on a retreat, to go attend a mission of some sort, at least once a year? How important is that? I think that's very important. You, you cannot give what you do not have. Hmm. Um, we need to have our relationship with the Lord. We need to be built up and the sacraments um, are there to do that, but also a daily prayer life and something else, whether it's, um, as you mentioned, a, a retreat or just something that's going to be continually challenging you to be growing. Uh, I believe the four dynamics of, uh, oh, what is that book? Sorry, I'm blanking off the top of my head. Uh, Matthew Kelly's four dynamics, oh, right. no, four Four signs of a dynamic Catholic. A dynamic Catholic, uh, right? Yes. Yeah, he, he talks about uh, about that continual formation. As one of you, you need to be learning. You need to be uh, forming yourself in your faith. That's so important if we want to if we want to become saints. That that purpose you mentioned. That's the that's the ultimate purpose. Uh, the goal of our life is to get to heaven. Is to become a saint, and so we need to put effort into that. It will not happen by accident. Yeah. But we need to strive to become a saint. And if you're not moving ahead in the spiritual life, if you're just a neutral, you may as well be pedal to the metal going backwards, right? There is no no neutral. you got to be moving forward at all times. Um, on that topic of saints, and, and that's really what we're called for, that's the only way we're going to get to heaven, right, is, is if we become saints. Um, what about the saints with the uh, uppercase S? Is there any saints in, in, in your life, John, that have particularly inspired you and I always say saints seem to pick us too. I, I, it's uh, it's quite uh, quite beautiful in that way, actually, as well. But yeah, are there any saints that have really particularly inspired you in your life? Mm-hmm. Uh, saint Andrew would be a big saint for myself. Um, he happens to be my middle name, uh, which was just a gimme when I picked my confirmation saint. Oh, I'll pick Saint Andrew. Uh, but then, as uh, as I I was growing more in my faith, kind of realizing the role of Saint Andrew within Scripture, is what he did was he constantly brought people to Jesus. He goes, he gets Simon Peter, and he brings him to Jesus. Uh, he finds the boy with the five loaves and two fishes, and he brings him to Jesus. And then let's God do the rest. Hmm. I really felt like that's what, what I'm called to do. I'm called to model Andrew, that I'm, I'm supposed to go and bring people to the Lord and then step back and, and let the Lord work. Hmm. Um, and that's kind of what I, my role with face-to-face is as well. Is I, as I mentioned before, we, we prime the pump. We get people ready. We bring them to the Lord. But it's not us who does the work. Mm. It's God. It's it's Him who moves powerfully. Uh, if if it was an event done by face to face that was simply for the goal of face to face having having done something good, it wouldn't be successful. It's it's us getting out of the way and letting the Lord work. Mm. So Saint Andrew is a big one. Uh, Saint Therese, more recently, actually in the past couple of years, has. Uh, uh, found her way into my life and, and her her little way and just her kind of almost sisterly presence in, in my life, um, praying for me. And she is the patroness uh, of of missionaries as well. Uh, so that's a nice kind of tie in there. Uh, and St. Joseph, 
I've always really, uh, really looked up to him. And I've actually had a few healings in my life uh, because of interceding to him. So uh, back at one point and psoriasis at another, where um, through the intercession, I've, I've been healed of, of different things. Mm. And then consecrating myself uh, through Father uh, Calloway's book as well, um, to, um, to, to Jesus through Joseph, um, was, a, was a beautiful thing to do. So I've definitely felt that connection there. Now, speaking of virtue, it seems like the... Uh... The, uh, the theme of those three saints is humility, isn't it? And mm. I think of the, the pro-life movement too and uh, you know a lot of good news in the States. We have so much work to do in Canada, don't we still, John? But, yeah, but, we do. Uh, you know, just on those those individual, uh, whether you're at a, at, a, at a crisis pregnancy center or you're you're working with youth like face-to-face ministry, sometimes you don't see that end result. And, and uh, you can have faith and you can pray, but... Uh, the statistic and the, the the gratification might not be there, but I think it's on purpose too, isn't it, John? Like it feels, you know, when I was in ministry work, sometimes you kind of caught yourself wondering, I mean, oh, I hope that, you know, these somebody's going to change here. You know, these people are going to come to a relationship with Christ, but ultimately that's going to be the seeds of faith is what God wants you to plant, but he's going to bring them to to himself and they need to make that choice too. Like we all have to make that choice, even on a daily basis to be a, a follower of Jesus Christ. So, um, you know, Lord willing, when we get to heaven someday through the grace of God that we can, maybe the Lord will reveal that to you. Well, he definitely will reveal that to us, but we have to have faith that, uh, the, um, the grace that we receive to, to recognize those opportunities on a daily basis, right, John, whenever we're, uh-huh. we're maybe not even in a ministry mode, maybe we're just out in the store or out on the street or in our workplace, just to recognize those opportunities to plant, those seeds of faith and to be available when someone is ready to, to have a chat and ask about uh, the joy and the hope that lives within us. Right. At least like St. Paul said. Yeah. And, and you see that uh, I see that with, with my own life. I uh, haven't the last couple of years been curling, but curling is a sport that I really enjoy. I was on sure. a team not too long ago that uh, the skip uh, at one point, cause John, we, we should talk about philosophical things. I'm like, uh, sure. I don't really know what that means. And he's like, well, you're a man of faith, aren't you? Like, well, I've never said that to you. He's like, yeah, but I, I can tell. Um, so let's, let, let's, let's talk. And it was great. We went, went for a beer after the game and, and he was able to share some of his own faith struggles. And it's, it's been cool to, uh, to journey with him to some degree over the past few years and his own journey. So people pick up on that. When, when you are living a life of humility, um, people notice. And when you're trying to practice your faith, uh, people, people recognize that, I think. Yes, 100%. And that's all, that's why, you know, even, uh, Signs of faith are so important. Yeah, definitely living your life, but also not being afraid to to cross yourself when you're, you know, uh, blessing your meal in public, mm-hmm. uh, carrying a rosary with you, uh, wearing a cross or a miraculous medal, wearing a, a scapular. I mean, if you don't think those aren't powerful signs to the world, um, you know, the, there's this God-shaped hole in all of us, right, John? So yes. when people see an authentic witness of faith, there's going to be, it's going to get their, their attention. They want to notice, they're going to notice something like that. So yeah, it's so important that we're prepared and especially spiritually to take on those those tasks and those those assignments that our Lord gives us for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Now you guys go all over the place, John. Uh, I know you've been. Uh, you told me uh, when I last chatted with you uh, that you're up at the uh, Northern Saskatchewan. You've worked with First Nations uh, communities before. Um, the Pope is coming to visit here very soon, and. Uh, 
I'm I'm praying that this is going to be a great trip and a, and uh, a lot of good fruits going to come from it. But what I've been asking, especially our our Canadian guests here in the last couple of months, you know, what are your hopes? I guess for this um, this uh, this trip from Pope Francis and and hopefully this um, the 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 path to truth and reconciliation, especially the reconciliation part. I would say it's a two way street. But yeah, what are your your hopes and, and prayers for? Um, what happens after this visit and kind of the path for the church in Canada, what, what lies ahead for us? Mm-hmm. I would love to see healing. I would love to see people um, in the presence of, of the Pope uh, to, to have encounters with our Lord, that there can be true healing done. And what, uh, what I would love to see is vocations. Hmm. I'd love to see um, particularly first nations vocations to have them uh because i've I've, i have had the opportunity to go up up north a a few times and it's like they have priests from other cultures and other countries who are serving them how powerful would it be to have a first nations priest serving your community Uh, i just think that that would be that would be so powerful Hmm. and you know when you look at at, in history when the pope has made visits uh, particularly to world youth day I know Denver was back, I think, in the early 90s. Uh, it was back when I was quite young, and probably the same with you, John. I didn't go myself, but uh, you're, there was such a, an uptick in vocations out of that uh, mm-hmm. particular diocese. I'm not sure if Toronto saw the same, but you, you hear it as, you know, the Pope, regardless of who it is, because it's not the person, right, John? I think that's some yeah. Some people don't really. It's, it's the office of Peter that that's uh, that's so powerful yeah, for us here. The Vicar of Christ. Right, so it's it's Pope Francis now, but it was Pope John Paul II back then, and of course Pope Benedict made a lot of trips as well. So I think that's a that's a great uh, observation and and uh, a great prayer to have, John. I never even thought of it, but you're you're 100 right. So you've gone up to Northern Saskatchewan. What other provinces do you go to with face to face ministries, and and do you do you guys go to the United States as as well? Tell us a little bit about that uh, about uh, how far those wheels will take face to face ministries. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the wheels only take us so far. Planes will help us get a little bit further. Yeah, unless you have private jet. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> hey, if a donor wants wheels. to step up. <laughs> yeah, you're looking for sponsors, right? Yeah. Always, always. We, we actually do rely a lot on monthly donors. Um, but in terms of, of our mission territory, we believe Western Canada is what the Lord has called us to, at least right now. So uh, we go as far as Vancouver Island. We do a monthly uh, or a yearly, sorry. Uh, youth conference out there for the Diocese of Victoria, um, all across through to Winnipeg. We've been into Ontario a few times. Um, we've, I guess I've spoken in, in Ontario a couple times as well. Uh, and we've had participants come from, from Quebec, from the States a few times up to our events. But uh, we typically will stay within Western Canada, at least for the time being. Um, we do the odd event outside of that. But. And what type yeah. of events do you do? We've already talked about some youth retreats uh, with confirmation, but what else do you do? You do things for adults as well, right? We do a little bit for adults. Uh, we are a youth-focused ministry, mm-hmm. so our first emphasis is for for youth. Um, and we have, I mentioned, the Ignite uh, camps every summer. We do confirmation retreats. We do d- weekend youth retreats, uh, school retreats. We do a lot of those every year. Um, we have. The, the Catholic school divisions across Western Canada. So it's helpful that we have that separate system. We can go and lead retreats for them. Uh, we have different conferences and we often have adults that are um, of, of our youth 
that we talked to them after they'd been to a weekend event or after they'd been to especially our, our six day ignite camps. And they say like, my child has come home chained. They're different. They're on fire. Like, when do we get our turn? <laughs> and we're not going to do a, a six day adult camp necessarily. Uh, but we do have the odd thing for them. Uh, our United conference would be the, the main spot for them is it, it is again, a youth focused conference, but it does have an adult track. So we do see a good number of adults at that. They get a few of their own talks as well as participating in adoration and all the other aspects. Awesome. That's so good. Um, I wanted to ask you this too. What do you say to a young person that's maybe in high school? And we talked about maybe taking that little pause before that post-secondary or maybe there's you know uh, trades in this uh, person's future or something like that, trade school. But what do you say to someone, uh, especially a young person, that's it's really on their heart to, to serve the Lord and serve the church in some way especially in our culture that really discourages that, you know, that they're always, it's the push is to go to, to, to further yourself with education or whatever that is. And some of that is good. Not saying all that's bad, but what about, uh, yeah. What about some of those, uh, the young people that say, ah, you know, maybe I'm called to something a little bit more in ministry and a vocation of some sort. What do you say to them to encourage them to, to follow that? Well, start, start by, by, uh, recognizing that that can often be the Lord's prompting, uh, in my own life, even, uh, it was through other people that I first felt the call to do youth ministry. Um, it was other people in my life that started to notice that gift of, oh, you know, have you thought about this? Or would you consider that? So if they have the prompt on their heart, and if, or maybe if there's other people that are, are giving them those prompts to listen um, and to seek something out after high school, take a year or two and dive into your faith and get that, that foundation strong. So when you do end up, whether it's in the university or somewhere else, and and you hear a conflicting message that you won't waver. Uh, so there are great opportunities out there, things like Net Canada, um, St. Therese Institute in Saskatchewan. There's, there's many different opportunities to go and spend a year forming yourself. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're, uh, if you're a young person, you feel a call in your heart to, uh, to discern and to, uh, yeah, just ask what God's will. And maybe it's the, it's a gifts thing too, John, right? We just talked about that too. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some gifts that you need to, to discern and discover and uh, boy, I highly encourage you to, to do that and to follow yeah, up and what everyone, God's prompting is. For sure. Everyone has gifts. That's not the mm-hmm. question. The mm-hmm. question is, what are you doing with those gifts? God is generous. He provides us with tons of gifts, mm-hmm. but he wants us to do something with those gifts and talents. Oh, so sure. ask him, ask the Lord, how do we discern with potentially with your parents or with a different adult mentor? What are those gifts and then how can you use them? Yeah, mentorship so important too. And you mentioned even your dad. That, that's interesting. On the was that through baseball or hockey? You were mentioning that uh, wasn't afraid to to share his faith. And I think that's for all of us uh, dads as well, or other men. Maybe we're grandparents as well. But if you have an yeah. opportunity to volunteer in your community, do that as well. Because uh, eventually, people are going to find out you're Catholic just by the way you speak, by the way you act, by the way you challenge people. So uh, that's uh, that's so good as well. If people want to make a donation or if they want to book a retreat with uh, with you, John, and, and your group at Face-to-Face Ministries, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, the simplest way is to go to our website, www.f2f.ca. So the letter F, like face, the number two, the letter F for face again, face to face, um, dot C-A. And it's on that that you can see our upcoming events. We have our nights I've mentioned uh, we still have room in one of our camps. The other two are basically full. 
And the third one's fourth one, I guess, is already happening uh, currently this week. I'm not at that one. Can't, can't be everywhere, but we, I have a great, great team that does awesome work without me as well. So we get to kind of share, share the workload. John's working um, on his holiness. One day he will bilocate, <laughs> but not quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. No, that's great. And then when it comes to donations themselves, registered charity in Canada as well, John? We are a registered uh, charity, non-for-profit. Um, I would say close to 50% of our income is through donors. Uh, we want our events to, to be uh, as, as affordable for youth as possible. We know that youth come from different backgrounds, um, and so we're trying to keep things affordable through our programming. And so we, we rely on donors. That's so good. So, yeah, make sure that uh, you make a, a plan to make that donation. And as a, an added bonus, you get a bit of a uh, break on your uh, when it comes to tax season. So that's great. John, thanks so much for your time and your witness and your ministry. Uh, it's great to call you a brother in Christ and laboring in the vineyard together here as we uh, uh, look to, to plant seeds in uh, people's souls and bring them to a, a, a close relationship to, to Christ and living a sacramental life. So thank you so much for your time today. Oh, no problem. Thanks for what you do, David. Well, a big thanks again to John Kershane from Face to Face Ministries for joining us on this episode of the podcast so many great things happening with face-to-face ministries and encourage you to go to their website and uh, pray for the ministry, donate to the ministry, and uh, really be um, a support, not only spiritual but also monetary support so that they can continue to do great work for our Lord and for our church. And, you know, the work reminded me of that uh, great scripture verse from St. Paul to Timothy. This is um, the first letter of Paul to Timothy, chapter 4, verse 12. It goes like this. Let no one despise your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And uh, I know, I know that youth can do this, and that's what we've got to do. We got to challenge our young people. They want to challenge. They want. Uh, when we talk about accompanying people, often, well, we got to accompany young people too, but we can't leave them where they're at, especially the way this world is, the way the spiritual warfare and the spiritual battle rages in the world and of course the evil one's going to focus his attention on young people he's going to try to take them away from jesus from away from the church away from the community as best he can and uh, that's why we need to to pray and to uh, to encourage and set that example for the next generations because you think that's uh, where our next vocations are going to come from that's where our next uh, families uh, married families our next priests and religious and we have a, a very, very solemn responsibility to follow up in our own way, and that is to live a sacramental life and to be that example to the next generation. So encourage you to follow Face-to-Face Ministries on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and of course go to their website and check out the great work that they're doing for the church and for our Lord. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. Follow us on Facebook, on Twitter. We're all over social media and drop me a line anytime. What a great universal church we belong to. Thanks for all your support, your prayers, and the great conversations that we've had uh, over the past several months. It's always great to meet new people in the church. And uh, it's a reminder that our church is massive, but uh, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are in this spiritual battle together to get to heaven And remember, hey, we've got to be an example to the rest of the world. That is what our mission is as Catholics, is to evangelize. So share your faith. We mentioned that in our conversation with John. Let's take advantage of those opportunities to be an outward witness of Jesus' love for other people. And that's what we're here for. And that's what this journey is all about. 
And that is the whole purpose of being here on earth is to evangelize and bring people to heaven, starting with yourself, then with your family, and then with your friends and your community. So thanks again for listening, everyone. Hey, if you're not a Catholic and you're listening to this and no one's ever invited you to become a Catholic, I am inviting you to become a Catholic if you ever need any resources any websites, any uh, reading material, anything like that, I'd be happy to pass that along to you. And I know a lot of Catholics that are listening would love to help you with that. You're probably already on the road to living a life of virtue, living a life close to Jesus Christ. Why don't you take that next step and join the Universal Church? We would love, 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 love to have you on our team, Team Jesus. And Catholics, remember, what have we got to do in order to be that beacon of light and of charity? To this fallen world, this hurting world, well, we got to live life in a state of grace all the time, not just some of the time, all the time. We got to go to confession often, every Advent, every Lent, and any time you're in a state of mortal sin, don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. We'll talk to you very soon. <laughs>